Well, hey, friends. Welcome to the UNC Chi Alpha podcast. If you turned in, tuned in before, you've heard sermons from our previous large group meetings in years past. However, this time we're doing something a little bit different. My name is Seth Collins, and I'm a staff member with Chi Alpha at UNC, and I'm joined today by my director of Chi Alpha at UNC, Joe Newell. How's it going, Joe? Uh, it's going well, Seth. Thank you for not calling me your boss. I appreciate that. It's uh, definitely the air is getting nippier and weather's changing, and that means we're headed into one of my favorite seasons of the year, Advent, as we look towards Christmas. So yeah, I'm excited. Nice, yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely cold. I've got my coffee here. I'm sorry I didn't bring you a, a coffee. You'll just have to... We'll rectify that later. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, as I mentioned, we're, we're doing something a little bit different, aren't we? Um, we're, we're going to do a short-form discussion on Advent. What is Advent? Advent simply means arrival, and it's the time in which followers of Christ across the world begin preparing their hearts and minds on the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, for most people, it's uh, they they probably equate Advent to the the little cardboard chocolate calendars <laughs> that, that that people get in the stores. Do you guys you guys do that at your house? Well, we don't actually do the chocolate calendars, and that might just be because by the time I get to Trader Joe's, they're all gone. Um, yes. But we do do Advent at our house, and we do that in the form of um, candles that we light each okay. week of of the Advent season uh, that sit inside of a wreath on our dining room table and read scriptures with our kids as we go through that process each week. Yeah, the, the, the wreath has four or five different candles, and each of those candles uh, actually represents uh, a certain theme. And those themes are hope, peace, joy, and love. And today we're going to be talking about hope, and I'd love to start things off by, by reading a passage of scriptures. And this is from Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. That's an interesting passage um, from Isaiah, Seth. Why why this passage? I mean, why did you choose this one? Well, two reasons. Uh, Number one, it's part of the lectionary reading for Advent. So there may be believers all over the world today talking about this particular passage this morning. And number two, I love the imagery that it brings, especially in verse four, where nations are tempering their weapons, not for war, but to go and garden. Uh, For us right now, we're not necessarily a central figure in a major war, but we have had some involvement in the Russia-Ukraine war, which is the most prominent war we have going on globally at the moment. And like many people, I've, I've, I've personally been just praying that the war would de-escalate and end. Um, we were certainly suffering through uh, different ramifications of that. And But as I've been praying that, this text from Isaiah evokes an image not just for war, but for all wars to, to come to an end for good. 
That's good. Um, so we're talking about hope. How do you see, though, hope playing out in the Christmas story? Yeah, good question. Um, on a grander scale, God's people have been anticipating the coming of the Messiah, the Savior. And there's a portion in, in Luke 3 where there's just heaps of people gathered around John the Baptist. And he's he's preaching, he's doing his thing, he's baptizing, and many people are, are coming to know God and they're making their lives right with him. So much so that the people begin to wonder that it says in Luke 3 that they're wondering in, in their hearts if, if John might be the Messiah. And he denies it, of course. Um, but these, these people have been anticipating the coming of the Messiah because of their mistreatment and oppression by the Roman Empire. Things are not necessarily as they should be, and there are people suffering as a result of this. Yet they're, But they're, they're holding out hope for what the, the prophets of old have prophesied about the Messiah coming and being a deliverer of freedom for people. So there's, there's that part of it. But on a, on a smaller scale, some of those people who have been awaiting the coming Messiah are, of course, uh, central characters, Joseph and Mary. Uh, Mary herself has a powerful encounter with an angel named Gabriel who reveals God's plans for her, which are later confirmed when she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. Um, Elizabeth is pregnant with her own baby, of course. John, yes, that John that we just talked about, the baptizer. And when Mary comes, the baby inside of her womb leaps for joy at the sound of Mary's voice. Now, uh, the scriptures talk about how Mary didn't necessarily understand a lot of things that were happening in the moment, right. but she pondered those things. And But I believe that we can say that on that day, her hope doubled that day when she visited Elizabeth. I mean, I, I think I can kind of see how then their hope, they had hope, right? Um, but in our in our context today, how do, how do you think we might apply hope to our lives based on, on what we're reading here and what we're gleaning from this? Right. I think we have to understand what hope is and isn't. For us, we say that our hope is not necessarily in an event or a circumstance, but in a person. Yeah, that's good. We set our hope in Jesus to deliver us out of bondage, out of intense trial, out of injustice. What hope isn't is choosing to see, no matter the circumstances, how things could work out for the best. And that would be more optimism. Okay. Now, I know I sound like I might be splitting hairs here, but... Often people in the Bible chose to hold out hope for God even when they didn't know how it was going to go for them. And my favorite example of that uh, is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they're about to be thrown into the fire for not bowing down to King Nebuchadnezzar's statue. It's one of the more famous passages of Scripture that people know. And essentially they say in, in, that, uh, in that story that they say, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And that's hope with a little bit of boldness thrown in for good measure. They say, he will deliver us. And then they say, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to do what you want us to do. Yeah, that's that's quite the courage there they're throwing in there for sure. Absolutely. Um, I don't know about you, but hope would be all I would have in that kind of situation. If I'm staring at a fiery furnace and I'm about to be thrown in, uh, you know, I'd, I'd have to hope for God in, in that moment. Yeah. Um, so for us today, I think, I think the, one of the big ways that we can start practicing hope is by learning to let go of the grip that we have on our lives and stop listening to certain narratives. Mm. And so for us in, in class, um, we say, you know, I've, I've got to get in that class, um, you know, if I don't, 
my, I have to, you know, stick around for another semester, or right. I've got to land this internship so I can get this mm -hmm. job, or I've got to get an A in this class, get a good GPA. And all those things are like very good and well-meaning, but if your world shatters, if you get a B plus or even a C plus in a class that you put so much pressure on to get an A, you've displaced hope in your life. Hmm. Um, whatever circumstances are tied to that situation can be met and fulfilled in God. And I believe we can move to a place of trust and start putting our hope in Him. That's good. That's really good. Um, how would you say then that we can start like actually living out Hope. Uh, that's a good example. Would you mention for students and 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 their classwork and, and how that might be affecting them? But how do you, how would you say we can start living out our hope? Yeah, I think one way of taking hold of hope in our lives is by having more open and honest conversations in prayer with God. Most of the time, we come to God with our laundry list of needs yeah. and don't really talk to Him about the deeper things that are weighing on our hearts. So I think I would just start very simply by taking one or two things that are weighing heavy on our hearts. Maybe it's getting into a certain grad school or a certain class for our major. Maybe it's something going on back at home with our, our family, our parents. And I would just spend time releasing that to God each day this week, slowly surrendering our need to manipulate and manufacture a result and placing our hope in God who works everything out to the good of those who are called and living according to His purposes.